We're going to begin with this series of anti-vaccine protests that are reportedly taking place at hospitals right across the country, including one in Toronto at Toronto General Hospital, and that despite pleas from Toronto's mayor, John Tory. Have a listen. They're misdirected. They're abusive. I mean, where do we get off the very people that are going to provide health care to those who are sick and the people who are in the hospital or are going to the hospital who are also sick? Where do we get off making them the victims of a political argument that people are quite entitled to have if they want in this country? I mean, I don't happen to agree with the people who are anti-vaxxers. But again, where do we get off then taking it that next step? All right. The mayor calling the demonstrations irresponsible, destructive and abusive. Also mentioning that Toronto police will be keeping a close eye on things at Toronto General this afternoon. Here's a Global's Karen Lieberman. She joined our Alan Carter from the scene last hour right here on Global News Radio. So I see, firstly, one lone ER doctor who is the epitome of healthcare hero who's standing out here with a sign for tech hospitals. And he's been out here for a while now. And, you know, his message to the protesters, Alan, which I will get to in a minute, but his message is, you know what, you want to protest, protest at Queen's Park, stay at Queen's Park. This behind me is sacred ground. And it's just such a compelling message from an ER doctor who works in three different emergency rooms, taking care of the sick, the injured, and of course, those with COVID-19. And then when I look towards Queen's Park, I'm looking north right now, I see a large gathering. Um, Our colleague Matthew Bingley was there and was able to snap a photo just a little while ago, and at that point there was maybe two to 300. From here it looks like the crowd has grown, um, but it's hard to say how many. And they are expected to make their way south uh, along Hospital Row, along University Avenue shortly. Um, And of course, as we know, they are um, fighting against public health measures meant to curb the spread of COVID in communities like vaccine passports, um, you know, and, and other things as well. And so this is one of many protests that's expected outside hospitals of all places, outside hospitals today across Canada and then right here, you know, here in Toronto. Are people being blocked? Is access being blocked? That accusation is being thrown around. I don't think we would know that yet because they haven't made their way to, they're not in front of the hospitals right, right. now, essentially, Alan. So, so I don't know if that, you know, is that what they're planning? Certainly, according to all of their social media posts, this group, Canadian Frontline Nurses, uh, by the way, has no affiliation to the Registered Nurses Association of Ontario. The RNAO also came out in condemnation of this group and its plans. Um, certainly, according to its posts, which I've seen from social media, this is supposed to be a, a silent vigil. Um, so we'll see. Will it be silent? You know, will it be more than that? Um, certainly, Alan, I can tell you it has healthcare workers on edge. I spoke mm. to three as they were walking uh, into various hospitals here because, you know, for those who are not familiar, it's, you know, hospital after hospital after hospital. Spoke with a dentist, you know, a doctor and, and everybody, by all accounts, is, is hugely distraught that this is happening here outside these hospitals. And as I mentioned, that ER doctor who called this you know, essentially sacred ground. So, you know, it's, it's hard to believe, really. You know, gosh, this is a year and a half that they have been fighting this virus, uh, you know, which started off as a mystery. You know, now they have all these means accessible to them. Doesn't make it any less stressful and less exhausting. You know, we all used to stand outside at 7 p.m. every night and bang our pots and pans. Mm. I certainly haven't seen that in a long time in, in you know, my East End community. As this, you know, one doctor said, you know, he knows that it's in, you know, people, people's intentions are still there and he keeps that in, in the back of his mind. But this can't help. You know, this, this doesn't help when it's so visual and it's, it's in their faces. And then, you know, here they are just here to do their jobs. 
and their job is taking care of the community. You know, uh, uh, essentially, many of those who are in this hospital or these hospitals with COVID are largely unvaccinated. We know that according to the statistics, the, the data that comes out every day. And then here are these people coming and protesting who are anti-vaccine. So, you know, it, it certainly raises a lot of questions. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it's hard for them, hard on their morale. All right. There's Global's Karen Lieberman from Toronto General last hour right here on Global News Radio. And for more on this, let's welcome in the head of the Ontario Science Table, Dr. Peter Uni, is with us once again here on Global News Radio. Dr. Uni, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Just first off, give us your reaction to this uh, planned protest at Toronto General and other hospitals uh, right across the country. Yeah, I mean, look, it makes me sad. <clears throat> what we shouldn't forget, this is a very small, um, albeit a very vocal minority. They always have the same strategies. They try to uh, look large, they try to look legitimate, and they try to uh, imply that there's actually a legitimate debate. And all of that is just not true. When you look at, you know, how people actually in our province behave, I, I remember, you know, last weekend, we were outside with my family. Um, I was so grateful how careful people were you know what we now see out there is we're actually all relatively free we can do a lot but we need a few precautions and we need to get vaccinated you know it's nothing compared to where we could be without the vaccines and without a little bit of precautions and there's just this small destructive minority i think it's important to keep everybody safe but not to overreact and uh, yeah it's sad it's absolutely sad let me ask you just how tough this is. We heard Karen in her report uh, mention this uh, just a moment ago, but how tough is this on an already exhausted healthcare workforce, do you think, Dr. Uni? Oh, just to be clear, no, I'm even though I'm a general internist, I'm not a decent doctor anymore here in Canada. I never got my clinical license. I was too busy. But, uh, you know, I remember all of that. And of course, I'm also very exhausted just being an epidemiologist. When you have these sorts of things, it just really brings you down. No, it's just to go out. I just had one of my uh, uh, friends, uh, an infectious disease specialist in Switzerland, running into the same story. It just makes you angry. It makes you sad. You know, it empties your batteries even more. You already really struggle, you know, to keep this up, all of that up, and you need to keep going. It's really not helpful. And, you know, these people, they are in their own nightmare. They have a vaccine panic. But now they also start to create nightmares for others. It's just not right. All right. That's the workers. The other side of the equation regarding these protests are the patients, patients who uh, need uh, treatments, uh, in some cases trying to get in and get chemotherapy, uh, cancer treatment, that sort of thing. Uh, should police step in if uh, necessary here to make sure that both uh, patients and healthcare workers feel safe at work? I think it's just important to try to de-escalate, but not to accept anything that would be, you know, harassment or would feel unsafe. This is really important. I agree with the notion of your colleague, you know, this is hospitals are sacred ground and we need just to make sure that everybody feels safe. The harassment per se as it is just to see that is enough. It shouldn't go further than that. But, you know, de-escalating is important. Quite frequently in these situations, you know, it's important just to keep calm. We're all at the at the edge of a nervous breakdown, every single one of us, because this has, you know, taken already 18 months. Let's keep calm. Let's see what this is about. There are just people out there creating their own nightmare. We don't have to buy into that. 
Joined by Dr. Peter Uni, head of the Ontario Science Table. Uh, next to the classroom, Dr. Uni and PEI temporarily shutting down some Charlottetown schools today after what they call a concerning outbreak. Just how concerned are you and should we all be about the situation in uh, classrooms in Ontario schools? Now, look, when I looked at the uh, school reopening plan of PEI and compare it with ours here in Ontario, then there's, you know, they're basically uh, worlds apart. We have clear-cut um, requirements here for masks, clear-cut requirements for cohorting. Some of that is inexistent in the PEI um, framework, and the masks are just a recommendation. It, what you see now here is that things can go very quickly, even though we have you know, really low case numbers and the really high vaccine coverage, if you're not careful. And what it just supports is that we're doing the right thing here, just having enough measures in place that we make it to the next step next step being kids below the age of 12 vaccinated as well for those parents and kids uh, who want it of course yeah from the reporting i've seen dr uni it is seven cases just seven cases that have been reported in pei for those under the age of 19 that uh, helped them make this decision to close uh, these schools so uh, uh, what is the metric in this province when it comes to school closures and for caseloads, uh, you know, under 19 or even under uh, 12 for those that still can't get vaccinated? And should it be any different here since uh, the virus obviously knows no borders? Yeah, look, um, I think that PI is still in a in a different mode of thinking. They were much closer to the concept of COVID zero, you know, trying and they this worked well for them, you know, trying to exterminate the virus basically, and then have more liberties. Uh, this works if you're either a real island or your geographical situation allows you to behave as like as if you were an island. That's not the case for Ontario. We share a long, long border. We have a lot of mobility also internationally so for us it won't be the same we're much more accustomed you know uh, with uh, this the fact that there will be uh, students who will get infected of course but the point is we want to contain it we don't want large wildfire like spreads um, in schools, not large outbreaks. And what will help there is the measures taken. Hopefully, you know, we get better and better also with ventilation. We keep doing what I saw happening in the first school days, being really consequential with masks, with cohorting, etc. All of that will help. So uh, it, it is a, a different story and uh, they approach. Oh, I think we lost uh, Dr. Transition Unis. Something else too. Sorry, you just dropped out there, doctor. Continue. No, that's okay. That's okay. So the, the point really, uh, the point really is, and um, we need to make uh, sure here that we stick to our way of dealing with that now. And um, PI has just a different approach, and they will need to change their approach too in the future. I'm not sure what you heard and what not. Sorry for that. No worries. Uh, just finally, is there a number or a metric or something the science table is looking at that school board should uh, consider? Is it uh, caseloads for those? 19 and under or 12 uh, and under? Is there a, a certain number and metric uh, that we should all be focusing on? Right now, in general, uh, what we um, have is um, still a caseload per day below 800, which is excellent. And I didn't expect that. I would, I would have thought, you know, that we are already above 1000. So we're on the right track. That's great. And then what we need to look at carefully now, of course, is the case numbers, especially in those below the age of 12, and at the amount of outbreaks in schools that we're seeing, 
and the size of the outbreaks. That's what we need to look into um, if we just talk about schools. Apart from that, of course, the other story is hospital beds occupied and ICU beds occupied. All right, Dr. Yuni, got to leave it there for now. Appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks a lot for having me. You bet. Dr. Peter Uni is head of the Ontario Science Table. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.